All right. This is your life now, Grace. This is my life. This is yours. This is... This is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we're handing it over. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to... This is strange. <laughs> Are you ready to hand this over, Aaron? I'm, I, it's you, all you. You're Just usually g- the voice of God in all of these. Here, you know what? I'm going to set up the theme song, and then you can all <laughs> fuck off and do what you want. This is the tragic show today with uh, your hosts, Grace. <laughs> Stepping in for Aaron Corney and Brittany White today. Um, we've had a lot of episodes go up, and uh, usually these two are the ones that are uh, the ones asking the questions, and now it's my turn, so you can get to know who your hosts are. And it's a very interesting situation for me, because I actually don't know these two very well. So everything that I'm going to be asking today is something that I've been wondering, and I just want to know. It's a good opportunity to get to know you guys. It's going to get real today. It's going to get so real. It's been fictional. My now. face is hurting from like this awkward smile thing I'm doing. So <laughs> oh, I'm a little nervous. Bo- is your body hurting today, Brittany? Yeah. <laughs> Have you said this enough times yet? No, I'm saying from the awkward smiling that I'm doing from being so nervous. What makes you feel more nervous? The fact that you have to answer questions about yourself or the fact that you don't know me? Neither. The fact mm. that I'm not in control, I guess, uh, is more of the like... Is this a room of type A's? Uh, yeah. Like super type A's, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this, we could, this could, this territory could be called type A. Oh, mm. it is. It's going to get real. Yeah. I, uh, I drafted out a list of questions and I sent it to them in advance. <laughs> Although we know that doesn't usually work for podcasts, right? Well, no. Well, I, I skimmed it and then I was like, I don't know how we're going to. Yeah, totally. And, uh, uh it's, uh, I really enjoy the conversational nature of your guys' podcasts, but for this one, it's just how my brain works. So thank you. Well, this is all yours today. Nice. You're nice. at the range. It doesn't matter. It, it matters how your brain works for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, feeling good. It was an ambitious <laughs> list. By the way, just a quick shout out to, uh, your mom and my dad, right? We're not your mother. What? <laughs> I'm saying hi to my dad because we, we, we just saw him and he said he's a big fan. So okay, I'm going to say hi to my mom because... I Hi to my her. mom, too. Sorry, mom. I, I love you. That's most excellent. Your parents listen to your podcast. Mm-hmm. But do they watch all your videos as well? No. They don't know how the internet works, so <laughs> they just listen. <laughs> That's excellent. If uh, Do you think your parents would agree with your alignment? I made them both take a character alignment test for D&D before we started just because... You should definitely explain what you're talking about. Yeah, you about should explain what a character alignment so, is. So if you guys ever do uh, any kind of role-playing games, I'm, I'm sure you know of D&D, even if you haven't played it before. If you've ever seen... Um, Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Um, you can test as a certain character alignment, and that kind of puts you on a scale from good to evil. So you can test in two divisions of lawful or chaotic and it goes from a scale of good to evil so Brittany took it and she tested as uh, neutral good which is Woo-hoo. the same alignment that i test um and we just finished up aaron's and he tested this was as like lawful the sats neutral. this was like a dense multiple it- choice like i didn't i thought i thought it was gonna like click a button <laughs> no no let me do a whole test. I mean, it's not that expensive i mean 30 36 questions is a lot for internet attention spans. It's but a lot for Saturday. Yeah, but it's it judging really your character. So you have to like take each question and you're like, God damn, I got to think about this. Wait, so what was I? You were lawful neutral and that's actually not that common. You're only the second person that I've met that tests as that. And uh, we were pulling up the definition right now because I don't know it. But it, a lawful neutral person um, acts as law, tradition, or a personal code directs them. Uh, order and organization are paramount to him. Does that sound right? Shocker. (laughs) He may believe in personal order and live by a code or standard. He may believe in order for all and favor a strong, organized government. Lawful neutral is the best alignment you can be because it means you are a reliable and honorable person without being a zealot. However, lawful neutral can be dangerous alignment when it (laughs) seeks to eliminate all freedom, choice, and diversity in society. Sounds good. So, so I'm like a, have, I'm like an ethical Nazi. Yeah, you have dictator <laughs> tendencies, but you choose not to. Brittany wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> I think you choose a little bit. Well, I think yeah. this podcast, like <laughs> handing over the control and letting me host today, is a good step. It's like a good indicator that you will not be a dictator. Well, let's see how it, let's, say, let's see how it turns out. Like plays its way through today. <laughs> Shut see up. how you handle yourself, <laughs> and then we can yep. say that. Well, here did. here's the talking. 
Here's the talking toy. Oh, we, we have, have the, a talking toy. It's the talking totem for today. Okay, okay. Well, since I have this right now, um, I uh, just wanted to bring it back to an interviewee calibration. So the reason that we took this character alignment test is just because, you know, it's a good basis for, you know, evaluating what the core of someone's beliefs are. And so just for the people out in Radioland that don't know you or just happen to be listening to the podcast for the first time, I'm going to ask you a series of questions um, that you have not received ahead of time. And it'll help just give the listeners, you know, an idea of what how you are as a person. If they were to meet you at a bus stop, what would you say? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably nothing. I know more than I, I, I understand what she means more than you do. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think that means that Brittany needs to take the talking toy. Do we have a name for this guy? Uh, it's, I think it's a woman. Her, ah. We'll name her Kendra. <laughs> can her last name be Kendra. Schlumpleton? Schlumpleton. Ken- if I can remember that. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm write that down. All right. Kendra Schlumpleton is now sitting with Brittany. So we're going to dive into the first uh, calibration question, um, which is... Who would you let choose your spouse, your mom or your dad? And this is if you had to let either one of them choose. My mother. Your mother. Why? Um, because my mother knows me more and understands me better. Oh, yeah? My dad and I get along very well. But my dad's very kind of, he would pr- he would get someone that he thinks. Yeah. Uh, he would probably pick more closely to what he finds fun and enjoyable. And my mom would pick what I think I would find fun and enjoyable. So what kind of person would that be for your dad? Like, what kind of guy do you think he'd want you I to I mean, be my dad's, like, highly against, like, drinking or smoking or anything. And it's, like, um, you're an athlete and you uh, – our bodies are temples and we're meant to, like, preserve straight, them. Straight and edge. Work. Yeah, very straight <laughs> edge. We're, like, very intense. And yep. it would be somebody fun, but it would just probably be somebody who is much more down to um, kind of live this righteous life and maybe not be more so into kind of uh, having more philosophical conversations or fun, spontaneous nights and things like that. So. Got it. What about you? Uh, it'd probably have to be my mom. She probably knows me better than I think she knows me. I think. I, I agree understand with that. that. Yeah, if my that mom makes tells any that sense. to me every day. I've gotten the impression that she understands me better than I think I've let on. Mm. So I'm, I would probably trust her judgment with it. Um, I think. I think we've had enough times that she's told me who she thinks I should like marry or date, and I've told her no that she should know through exclusion what direction to throw. I, I don't see. know. So what kind of person do you think your dad would want you to end up with? Hmm. My dad would probably pair me with somebody who's just really low uh, energy and would like help me zen out more because he knows that that's like something I value a lot. He wants you to be with a rock. A yeah. Rock. And I think my mom understands I need somebody to kind of push me a little bit also. So I think she would probably find someone similar to that as well. She would know that, but she would also look for a bit of energy with it. That's my guess. Very interesting. All right. Well, next question, you guys. Um, What was one of your biggest insecurities growing up? Oh, (laughs) this is this this is uh, all right. Okay. Um, uh, I was like, what kind of growing? Are we talking about like all through childhood or more middle school, high school? Whatever sticks out in your mind. Probably just I was I was overweight. I was like a heavy set child. I was an ex fatty too. Yeah. So, yep. Yo yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That wasn't high fiving you. Oh, okay. Oh, that was high five. Okay, that was good. That was good. I will but. never say no to a high five. Okay. <laughs> high fiving today on the Drudge Show. Mm-hmm. What about you, Aaron? Greatest insecurity. Uh mm-hmm. that no one liked me. Oh. I was I was a hyper kid. Um I I have anytime anyone will tell you ADHD isn't a real thing, I would fight them to the death about that one. I had like crippling ADHD as a kid. Like I was so hyper. I could not sit still. I couldn't have a conversation. I couldn't keep eye contact. I couldn't not fidget. I was out of control hyper. And that kept me at a distance from a lot of people growing up. So I never connected with people very well until I got older and learned to control my hyperactivity. Mm-hmm. So that was always a thing of like, oh, can you, do you actually know me? Do you want to talk to me? And most people didn't How like did me very much. How did you learn to control like, it? You didn't take meds, right? I did. I did. did. Ritalin. I was on Ritalin for 12 years and Does I w- did a lot of therapy. Um, to like, yeah, my parents like were hardcore. I had really supportive parents. I, mm-hmm. I was on Ridlin until freshman year of college. So that was what allowed me to take tests and do well in classes. Cause that was the only way I could focus. 
I also, as a younger kid, went to a summer camp for kids with like severe hyperactivity and they teach you how to be self-aware. Do they just put you on a treadmill for like 40 minutes at the beginning? They have of the you day? play sports and then afterwards ah. they give you points based on how self-aware you were in ah. your interactions with other people. And they use those points to buy toys like wow. once a summer. So That's I did like the summer camp. That and, works. Um, yeah. I mean, they put a lot of time and energy into helping me collect myself. So. That's cool. But, they got a camp for everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to make a really dark Jew joke, but. <laughs> oh, let loose. That was it. <laughs> what? Cold delivery. Nice. I like that. <laughs> All right, guys. What What is the most annoying thing that you can think of? Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my same answer here. <laughs> um, wh- how so? Hmm. What bugs you? Oh, do you know she has more walls than I do? Like she, yeah. she stops first and she wants to like, <laughs> yeah. she wants to figure out there's what no, information there's she's There's no wrong have. answer to these. Uh, it's, you you know, go first on this one. No, I like watching. It. I like watching Squirm. Uh, what annoys me? A lot of things annoy me. Um, just one thing. Uh, like I can tell you, one of the most like one of the things that bugs me the most is when people use uh, number two pencils, the old school ones, and the eraser's gone. Oh, and, and then you have to uh, scratch you get the down sound that metal. of that aluminum on paper. Oof! And you know that it's not erasing anything, but they just keep doing it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Those bastards. Brittany, you got this? You want me to take it? You want me? I mean, I mean, I don't, I, I hate uh, being late. Mm. I like really can't do it. When I was in high school, I would like, I would be the one that showed up to class like 10 minutes early and I'd be like sitting there just waiting because I didn't want to be late. But it was more, I just didn't want to like enter late. It was like an embarrassment. Yeah. But I don't like tardiness in anyone actually. Definitely. I get really a. annoyed. You must hate me. <laughs> I'm, like, no, I'm I've learned late. to control it now. But yeah, like my growing up, my stepmom was always late everywhere too. I love her to death, but she was always late, and I'd just be like, oh, "I don't even want to go. Like, if we're gonna be late, like, let's not even do it." Hmm. That's why Brittany runs the show. She's yeah. the she's she the keeps head. Us on track. Yeah, she's the boss. What about you? What bugs you, uh, Aaron? In line with what we were just talking about, um, <laughs> I I hate when people <laughs> take me. I know I'm too organized, huh? That's what no, right. no, um, you're lawful when, neutral. Yeah, I guess. Um, when people, I hate you guys. When people aren't uh, behaving in ways that are destructive emotionally to those around them, as a result of not being self-aware, that mm. bothers me. So when people just act irrationally and can't stop and look at themselves, I get furious with that. Uh, it's just, I don't know. That is annoying, though. Yeah, it's true. And I feel like maybe just um, the way that you grew up, it kind of gives you a lot of exercise with that because I think a lot of people just don't have any training for it and their parents don't tell them, you know, to consider other people's feelings and people around them don't tell them. And so they just kind of go coasting through life, not thinking about anything else except for what they want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you could think of me as like an emotional discipline junkie. Mm -hmm. Got it. Lots of discipline. Um, All right. I want you guys... (laughs) This is weird. Uh, this is so weird. <laughs> Should we change direction? No, it's it's good. Yeah. What's fun yeah. is, I don't know if we're going to surprise you. I'm going to be interested if Brittany and I surprise each other. Mm-hmm. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because how- I feel like I know a lot of these answers about you. Yeah. I think that's true. What, okay, so what was your, going off of that, what was your guys' first impression of each other? Oh, we've told, uh, I thought that Aaron was like, was um just one of those overly positive happy people that you're just like why are you so happy <laughs> stop it it's like 10 a.m on a tuesday and you just be like hey good morning and i was like oh my god you do have a lot of energy a lot of positive energy i like that about you <laughs> thanks uh yeah well the angsty angry side is uh kept froth there no i know you went to like you ease up to aaron and then then you realize i'm way more like woody allen <laughs> It's a lot nicer. A lot of introspection going on. Just, just anxious. Yeah. Just anxious and. But I think that's. I think that's interesting. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. When I met Brittany, I made a judgment of like, oh, is she just like some like, like bitchy artsy girl? Like you were. You were really like. <laughs> is that like a bitchy artsy girl? I don't know because you were like I met you and you were like. 
like in your makeup room doing makeup on somebody and like barely was friendly to me. You were like focused on something. And like when we first met and I remember that happened the first few times we spoke is you were like doing that. I'm like, Hey, okay, well she's all about her craft. And so she can focus on her craft and she's not here to make friends, but she's friends with all these other people that are old maker people. So she's kind of like part of this bubble. So whatever. That's That's interesting. I think it's more, I just don't really like interacting with people because I never, I'm very awkward with it when it's like a new interaction. And sometimes I like do this thing where I'm just like talking and if I don't know what else to say, I'll just stop and like leave. <laughs> That's good though. And, a so lot I, of people yeah. don't know when to stop talking. I like the silences, like how awkward it can be because it says a lot about a person as well. Yeah. And yeah. I don't shut up and that made you uncomfortable because I was too friendly to you. So sometimes I hide behind like, oh, I'm, I'm really focused when really I just like don't know how to handle an interaction so i'm just gonna not handle it but i also i get that from a lot of women because i'm really friendly immediately to everybody and a lot of women don't seem to trust guys that are overly friendly immediately um, and i get yeah. that a lot and then it takes like a maybe an hour of talking before like they realize oh this guy's not like some creep or hitting on me he's just really friendly so yeah. i was pretty used i'm pretty used to that I can see that. Yeah. I mean, you have to be careful as a woman on set, too. You know, there are a lot of people that kind of just go for the ladies that they see around Mm -hmm. because they're not as many as guys working. Or they start off friendly. So you you continue this friendly conversation and then it turns into like the whole entire day. They're just following you around talking to you because you've given them some sort of attention. Happens to like a ton of women Mm -hmm. that I've worked with. And it's just like, you're just like, oh, God, how do I get out of this? This is what happened. You talk to me and now I follow you everywhere. I made you start a show with me. Um, I made you start a show with me. I love you. I think that's amazing. Like, I mean, the fact that you guys take the time out to regularly do this extra extracurricular and follow this, you know, outside of everything that you guys are doing at Maker is awesome to me. I, I just find it Thanks. so much fun. It's really, re- it's really relaxing and relieving, mm-hmm. I think, on my end. I do it more of just... Um, I don't really have any high expectations for this show other than the fact that I enjoy it and it gives me some sort of release and mm-hmm. therefore that's why I want to do it. What's what's one of the things that you like the most about doing this podcast? Um, you, you open up and you kind of, you hear yourself and then you stop and it makes you hear yourself more often, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you, you pay attention yeah. to how you connect yeah. yourself and how potentially other people can perceive you, you know, based on your interaction yeah. with people, right? Well, also just like you, you truly start to really listen as well mm-hmm. and i mean you have to thought i was like a good listener before but after this podcast you have to because you're listening and you're engaging while you're the doing show it. gets so dull then, if you're not yeah. paying attention you can't zone out like in real life and then pretend yeah that you were paying attention mm-hmm. just by saying yeah and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And why do you why do you like it Aaron? <laughs> uh totally the opposite reason Brittany does actually although i've found the same benefits from like observing observing myself and others but uh, it's psychoanalyzing people in, in the industry I care so much about. And the more information I get about how people in my field tick, the more effective I can be at operating and navigating inside an industry that I want to be a part of so much mm-hmm. and always wanted to and now am. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question for the calibration. What kinds of dreams do you guys have? Last night? Sorry. No, go ahead. Brittany has Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like... I think I picked something off her for Kendra Schlumpleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her though. She's got like a pancake mouth. All right. Well, you gonna answer this one? No, you can go first. Oh, fine. Yeah, you want? Um, yeah, let me let me take that. Um, Talking stick has been passed. Um, what were we answering? What was the question? What kinds of dreams do you have? Oh, I had a dream last night that my best friend from childhood and his wife, who. Uh, I'm very close with them. I was the best man at their wedding last year, and I, I love them both a lot. I had a dream last night that they came to me and said that they were going to die within a year. They both had a disease at the same time. And I woke up so sad this morning. Oh. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. Is, do you have dreams like that often? Every like few months, I'll have a really depressingly sad dream. And then almost all the rest of the time, I don't dream. Ah, I see. So you mostly dream about negative things. When I do. Or like something killing me and then i wake up wondering if there was a ghost messing with me <laughs> i've had i was those. i i truly believe i was haunted by a ghost of a dog in my dreams as a child when i was younger that's every I, night i'm for, sure there are some people that would believe that they were for real you know 
every night for years, like for like six years as a child, I would like about once a year be killed by a dog in my dream mm -hmm. and then feel like there's a dog following me all day. It was the weirdest what thing. What kind of dog? It was this, it was uh, Beethoven, you know, the dog. Oh, the St. Bernard. St. Bernard. I want one of them. The, the one dog that is supposed to actually save your life. It was a St. Bernard that killed me. The least me vicious of them. Once Love. or twice a year, it would kill me. And then one year I confronted it and I made it feel safe and that never killed now, me again. Now do you cuddle with it in your dream? I didn't cuddle with it. Pit it on the head. It was like, dude. They slobber a lot though. St. Bernard's. What do you dream about, Brittany? Here. Thanks. If you break her, <laughs> you'd be pissed. Um, I have, like, all sorts of dreams, I think. I mean, definitely, I have, like, the terrifying dreams. I don't really just have fun dreams. I don't really think I have fun dreams. It's, like, terrifying, anxiety-driven, like or it's, like, you know, like, the occasional sexual, you know, <laughs> perky dream, but... Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, those are the fun ones. Yeah, too, like right? I think those are those are the fun ones, but never just like it can't be fun. All oh, I went the time. to Disneyland yeah, and had rides. There. Like, and I don't ever just have normal dreams. So either I don't dream at all, mm -hmm. or when I do dream, sorry, I'm peeking. When I do dream, um, I I find them they're they're very they're like high emotion. So I might not necessarily feel remember the dream, but I'll wake up with like this feeling mm -hmm. of anxiety or fear or have like a, you know. You know, whatever. So, yeah, that's yeah. what I have mostly. Oh, very interesting. What kind of dreams do you have? No, Grace? we. I was. Just, we can't. Uh. Uh. Why? You have to resist the urge. We agreed. No, no questions. We didn't agree to anything. <laughs> Grace I'll, can't be interviewed today because I'll, I'll answer this one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have a lot of reoccurring dreams. Really? Um, yeah, I used Ooh. to dream about zombies all the time that's so cool as soon as i saw i saw george a a romero's dawn of the dead mm -hmm. um on laserdisc and <laughs> i love you for literally five years afterwards i would have a zombie dream at least twice a week and a lot of the times it would be someone that i loved dying and then coming back as a zombie and coming after me and sometimes it was someone that I loved dying and coming back as a zombie and no one else would know that they're a zombie except for me. So they would be a completely functioning humanoid thing and uh, I would be the only one that would be onto them. So I've had a lot <laughs> of time to awesome. think about this. That's cool. <laughs> have you ever had to shoot them in the head to kill them? Uh, I have tried, but it's a lot harder to actually kill people in your dreams than it would seem for me. No, I think that's, that's it seems like, very like, yeah. realistic. Like sometimes I've okay, so this sounds kind of fucked, but I've tried to kill a zombie with a machete once in my dreams, and for some reason, every single time I try to do it, it's really hard to cut somebody's head off. And so yeah. I don't know if like my subconscious is trying to make up for the fact that like you know it's supposed to be realistic, but is it the same yeah. feeling of when you're trying to run away, but you're legs become cement kind of. and you just Maybe can't. It has you're like in a dream and you're just like I'm not moving. Yeah. But it's definitely not easy. So I think it's more um, something like that, like those kinds of dreams were triggered by uh, one of my fears, which is to um, have someone be uh, counter to what I perceive them as being. Uh. So to have someone be false to me. And uh, yeah, that really freaks me out. So that's why I don't really enjoy two-faced people. Fear of a Machiavellian I am intent. so happy we had you answer that. <laughs> That was fucking cool. That was cool. Good. That was good. Can we just interview you for the rest? Uh, no. No, no, no. Because I want to hear about you guys. Um, I want you to tell me what you wanted to do when you were a kid. And I want you to tell me about what you're doing now. Which, do I start? Yes. Because Aaron you're starts. looking at me? Yes. Um, I have had two different stories as, my, as a child about what I wanted to do. For a lot of my childhood, I wanted to be a filmmaker. This is very interesting, actually. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I wanted to be like the next Spielberg, yada, yada, you know, the kid. I had my camcorder, made tons of home movies, a lot of Star Wars parodies, and a lot of parodies as a kid of stuff. And then um, before, uh, when I started taking Ridlin in middle school, I stopped being as creative. And I started being more into math and science. And for some reason, the drug messed with me. And wow. it made me more interested in science and math. And like my creative side got stifled. And That's I just didn't crazy. have any interest in like doing the other stuff as much. I've always been interested in how Ritalin actually affects people with ADHD. Yeah. So I, I literally um, 
like stuck with math and science and I was going to like Lawrence Livermore national labs and like looking at the physics department there before college. And like, do I want to go become a physicist? And I was, uh, I was a, a teacher's assistant in high school in bio and I was studying genetics and I went to college and then quit Ridland freshman year of college and immediately started not caring about math again and taught myself tons of instruments, became like an unofficial music minor, changed my major to film. And I did not do all this thinking about it. And years later, I realized that that trend happened. They weren't conscious decisions. Wow. So it's almost like it. the medication suppressed your left brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really strange. And then I got really into the arts and started making musicals and music parodies and film and, uh, studying sitar and Latin choir and gospel choir and the art side came out and then, uh, you know, graduated film, went to USC for a little bit, stopped going to USC for a little bit, and then worked in advertising. You're for, a USC dropout? Kind of. I am um, too. Like, Almost. Well, not, it's a weird story, <laughs> wait, but wait. Um, there's lots of weird stories to be had apparently about USC. Mm -hmm. um, but then when worked in the ad industry for a few years because I couldn't get into film and I was trying everything when I moved out here to get into film, I was going to um, all the big studios in a business suit with cupcakes and I would deliver them in the mailroom to be delivered to the big executives. These cupcakes had napkins on top saying need assistance producing more than a sugar rush contact Aaron Corny. Wow. And I was delivering these in a suit to like all of the big executives in Hollywood. Didn't get a single job. And I went to every big studio and I would sneak in the mailrooms like an executive from another studio and be like, can you deliver this to so-and-so? Uh, never got a call back for any of those. So I gave up when I worked in advertising for a few years. And then lost a client, lost a job, and spent seven months committed to getting a maker, which I've talked about on the podcast before, and eventually got into maker because I was set on getting back into film and working in new media. Mm -hmm. Now I'm producing music comedy shows for YouTube for Bart Baker and Lisa Schwartz, Lisbug. So it's it, actually very closely aligned with what you wanted to do when you were a kid. Yeah. But I went through a really dark period of a few years where it totally skewed off of it and I didn't realize it would come back to it. But it gives things like that give you good stories later on. And imagine if you had just done a straight shot, you know, your character would be that much more flat. Yeah. No, it worked out because I wound up getting really good at logistics and organization while on weird drugs. Mm -hmm. And then the creative side kicked in. But Brittany can attest that I'm managerial whore. Yeah. So... That's right. It's a type A party up in here. So, <laughs> I think it's funny because he'll like. I feel like sometimes he he'll like tell me, like you like micromanage our friendship, and I'm like, but I love you. <laughs> I love you, but stop. but in a friendly manner. Yes. <laughs> I'm the only person you'll ever meet though that's that organized, but also can be that creative. I mean, I we think. we schedule when we hang out. Yeah. But then our hangouts are really creative and weird. So it's a weird balance. I didn't, I'm saying I'm not is, complaining. I'm saying is, I'm, just I'm saying is, I like myself. <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself, and that's where it comes down to. That makes me so. There's your story. So happy you to should be. You should be proud of yourself. Okay, can we get your story now? Because yours is better. I don't. How do you know that? You don't. I don't know. I know your story. Oh, I'm not going to tell it. You don't. Yeah. Did you always want to be a makeup artist? Uh, well, I mean, I think mean, the time I can remember, I was a pretty crafty kid. Mm -hmm. Just always kind of making crafts, like popsicle stick things or like wind chimes. I remember I would like go places and see people doing like those hair wraps and then i'd go home and i was like i can do that so i'd try it on my little sister who was my guinea pig for everything um i even put makeup on her but um yeah no i just i was always into art and i would draw and all that kind of stuff but um i didn't really get into that kind of stuff until i started until i was like 14 because mm -hmm. i grew up really religious like oh. really religious and then my Christian. family yeah and my families are like my parents are divorced. My dad was a pastor. My mom was like the typical pastor's wife. So then when they divorced, she became like highly involved in the church. She's like sings, runs the youth group. I was involved. I had helped do that. So for a long, long time, I just wanted to do like missionary work. And um, I thought that's how I'd like spend my life. And then when I was in private Christian middle school and it was like seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And then I begged my mom to go to public school. So when I went to public school, I feel like everything like switched. But why did you want to go to public school? Because it's awful in mm -hmm. private Christian school. One, people do a lot of drugs. <laughs> Two, they're like, it is not, it is like, it's very, it's very, it's not creative. It's very stifling. And everyone's kind of in these like little, I mean, my, my class, it's the same class because it's like K through 12 is the whole school. And it's like my whole class is like consists of 40 people mm -hmm. in my whole grade, you know? So I just, 
Social you, had you seen movies that depict public school and you're like, I want that instead? Well, I went to public school until like seventh grade. Uh, so I only went to private school for like three years because I like went to live with my mother. So like mm-hmm. she put me in private school because so my dad's from a really small town. My mom lived an hour away in like a city. So when I moved to the city, my mom was like, I don't want you going to like the public school because the public school that I then go to, um, you have to like walk through metal detectors. It's like a very uh, urban environment and, um, i love how that's uh quote unquote yeah. urban yeah, yeah. urban <laughs> it's a euphemism yeah uh, pretty much so um i went to one of the inner city schools after and it was the best of the inner city schools but still like you had to walk through metal detectors and all this stuff mm-hmm. so i got into art then and then i started doing through my mom performing in all these like christian churches and then she just performed in regular theaters because she's can she's like a professional opera singer pretty much. So she would be in all these plays and I would go and hang out. And then I started getting involved with the guys who would do the makeup, you know, for uh, Wizard of Oz and stuff. So it was always intense makeup. So I started taking makeup classes and I loved it. And I was like 14, 15. I was just working for free on the side. And then, um, yeah, I got into that. And then I was in college and I remember I was, I went to community college because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And my dad was like, well, just like, don't, I think my dad knows me pretty well, so he's like, don't waste a whole bunch of money and just go to, like, community college and figure it out. And I was like, okay. And then... Community college is yeah. the way to go. <laughs> I mean, because my, my older brother went to, like, a real college. And, like, my siblings are... Like, everyone's, like, really ambitious in my family, but I think they knew and they were like, Brittany, just, you know, calm down. So I was actually... After my community college, I was enrolled to the University of Albany for art therapy because I was going to do that with my life. And then, like... That's art therapy. It's just basically helping children express themselves through art. Ah. And uh, that's what the way I was going to like do art professionally and get paid because um, it's hard to make it as an artist. So because I, I had looked for schools for makeup and there's like no schools. There's like there's like places that give you certificates. And my dad was like, no, <laughs> you have to get an actual college. <laughs> yeah, my degree. dad was like, you're not doing this. So it was like two months before I was supposed to go. I was enrolled. Like all we had to do was like finish the paperwork to go to the college. And then my stepmom, my mom found a website online for Tom Savini school. And my stepmom the night before was like, well, let's just like drive there. Let's go see it. And I was like, really? And then she was What's like, the school? Tom Savini special effects school, but it gives you a degree, an associate's degree. So like, where is this? Is this in LA? It's in Pennsylvania. Ah. So it's the only one in the U S that gives you a degree. So like, that's how I got through my dad to let me eventually go because he was against the non- I think he even tried to talk me out of this, actually, but whatever. Your dad didn't want you to do horror monster makeup? <laughs> yeah, no, shocker. Um, yeah, my dad's not, like, a movie person. No. So <laughs> since you graduated, did you, did you start working immediately in the industry, or did you have a series of jobs like Aaron did? Uh, so before this, the whole thing, I've always worked in, like, the food industry bartending, okay? Mm-hmm. Until I graduated college. And then... My best friend and I took a month and a half road trip where we traveled uh, from PA to New York and then from New York to Texas and then up around to the top of the coast of Seattle. And then we went to the the islands up there, the San Juan Islands, and back down. And we were selling, we were doing art shows this whole time, selling our artwork, like to make gas money because we ran out of money, like by Texas. So we, <laughs> we had to sell all this stuff to get to LA. And we got to LA, we had one job at the AFI school, and then they didn't pay us. So... They said, because we can't pay you, we'll give you all this furniture. So it like furnished our first apartment. And then we just started kind of getting random side work for doing art department stuff and that kind of stuff. And then um, got a job at Maker like five months after we moved to LA. How, how did that happen? Um, I, our, hate, I hate you so much for this Maker. part. Our first three days in LA, we stayed at a hostel, which was really just a guy renting other rooms in his house which is like the modern day Airbnb. So we were on Craigslist and the guy was like, you ran out of room for a while. So we stayed at this room. We were there for five days. The first three days we were there were the last three days. This guy, Joe Felice was there and he'd been there for like a month or so. So we just kind of passed him and we only hung out with him one night and we smoked weed and he made us watch this video on sea lions. And then <laughs> it was really weird. And we like parted ways. Okay. Uh, and then a few months later, he calls us and he's like, you guys still in LA? Can you come and do this YouTube video? And we were like, sure, whatever. So we went because they wanted us to make um, a baby fetus. They wanted us to make a laser gun and, and an ant that moved, like a giant walking ant. 
so we did we made them and we did it for free so um uh god hold on it's been so long so we did that those of you who have people telling you not to work for free when you first start off don't listen to them because you need to prove that you actually have a skill set worth paying for agreed well i mean this like like we did it for free and we we did a lot of things for free back then too you know mm-hmm. so we were doing it for free and i remember they called us back like a week later and it was danny zeppin and he was like can you come in um to make your studios this and they had just bought their first building and then it was just me because already had gone home because her grandmother had died so she was at a funeral and i went in and i remember i was in like i was like drinking a monster and i had like my like art clothes on because i thought this is what had happened to us in the past that people were just they'd call us in to be like thank you so much can you also do this one so when i went in i didn't realize it was an interview i thought he was just like thanking me so he walked in he was like yeah like we want you guys to be a part of it we can like start you off with this amount of money and you'll be here all the time and i was like wait what okay cool and then we just started working there and I remember I almost quit because it was like two weeks and they just told me to watch YouTube videos. And I was like, I can't do this. This like, is so this boring. This is not what I said. I was at a for. desk next to Phil Haney making, like watching YouTube videos. I didn't even do a makeup until I'd worked there for almost a month. And it was on Lisa Nova and it was a awful makeup actually. And now you're heading a makeup department for a Disney mm-hmm. owned studio. Yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I worked really hard for that. You did. Yeah, I would love for you to just like quickly outline your trajectory at maker so you started off in there's just so much happened in the short lifespan of maker that it's or yeah it's like four four and a half years that i've been there but it feels like 10 years Mm -hmm. so started off in art department but it wasn't even art it was just me and Artie, and we were art wardrobe and makeup we were everything like we were just the art department we had no room we were just like in this open room whatever so it slowly starts to build and we get an art department and we still have no wardrobe department or anything yet and then we're art building stuff they bring in wardrobe, which was originally Mary Doodles, was our first original wardrobe person at Maker Studios. And then she passed the baton to Morgan, and who passed it to Amanda. And now we have Amanda. But I was probably our department for two years at Maker. And then we moved to the bigger building that we have. And I won't say where that is. Um, and then I was still our department, and we had no makeup department. We had a wardrobe and art. And I was like, this is silly, because they keep calling me to do makeup every time anyways so why can't i run this department and then hire other makeup artists so that i don't have to do it all and then they were like sure but the boss that we had at time was like well i need you to write out like your projective budgets and like a timeline and what your like objectives for the whole department are and how you're gonna like make it better and how you're gonna make maker better and i was like really because so i spent like a good month and a half making all this stuff with the help of morgan and i had to give a presentation in our like managers meeting that we have still and i went and had to give this like presentation and then they gave it to me sounds silly but it actually paid off right yeah no now i'm head of makeup which is awesome which is unheard of anywhere i don't think that this job exists anywhere (laughs) i don't think there's a permanent makeup artist job the good thing is that it exists yeah There there are a lot of jobs uh in our industry and at our particular company that don't exist anywhere else yeah yeah um aaron actually you know you you mentioned ending up at maker but how did you really end up there did you cold apply what was the what was well the when i said that we lost a client at the ad agency i was at beforehand i meant it that the, i was working at that time on um bolt house farms which is like a big like vegetable and vegetable drink brand anyways um the smoothies they, yeah, they do the smoothies. Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, so if you like the new labels recently, I worked <laughs> on that campaign. Um, but anyway, so they Sorry. changed uh, agencies, and so they downsized, and I was out. And I was like, okay, well, I've been working for a few years now in advertising. I I got to get back in this field that I wanted to work in. And um, I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had, uh, for at that time, I was a few years in trying to make a startup company called Procreate on the side, which is a big entertainment networking company. Um, and through that community, I knew a few folks over at maker and I learned about maker through the most I learned about from was through Andrea, who's our editor on part Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me a lot about maker and I was like, Oh, this is where it's at. Um, you know what? I'm done with this shit. I'm going to work in film and I'm going to work there and I'm going to work there. And I applied cold over and over again. Every week I would call. I got to know who the recruiter was. I would call, call, call. Finally got an interview. I went in um, with uh, 
Donnie McMillan and Andres Del Sol who were doing Make Your Music. And I interviewed with them and it went really well and it was set. And then that vertical got closed down. And so they never wound up hiring anyone to come in. For Maker Music. Mm -hmm. You were working for Maker Music? No, I interviewed for it and uh, I didn't get the job because they wound up not doing keeping the team. Well, so it died. Huh? Because all of Maker Music died. Yeah. So I had been interviewing to be a production assistant there to come in and do that. And so I was back on my feet or I was back on my butt on the curb. And the recruiter at the time thought that I was just not a good candidate because I didn't get the job when I kept telling her no. Cause she's like, you've already interviewed and you didn't get a job here. I'm like, no, but they didn't, the, the department closed down. Like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't hire anybody. And she's like, you're not going to get a job here. And I kept bothering her every week, every week, every week over and over and over again. And after seven months of hounding them over and over again, I checked on LinkedIn and saw that, I actually know the head of HR who is the head of HR for one of the ad agencies I used to work for. So even though it wasn't connected, but anyway, so she got me in to actually go interview with the top talent comedy team at maker. And once I interviewed with them, with Terika, um, then I got a job. Um, and then so what did you start off as? I started off as a production coordinator, which mm -hmm. I still technically am. Mm -hmm. But you handle company, much but... more than that. Production coordinator is not defined, um, in the same way that it is on a film set or a TV set. Production coordinators are essentially producers at Maker. So they, yeah, they, they, I sure. get I get yeah. credited as a producer on everything now. Like they've they've it was kind of it's kind of like training wheels title and um it's the same thing now that it was then. It's just that they changed the title. But yeah, it's just literally coordinating every little thing happening and just keeping it all moving. Is uh is what you're doing now different than what you thought it would be when you first started working at Maker? It's different than it was when I first started also. But yeah, when I first started, I thought I would just be doing all the, the shit work um, from getting crafty to filing papers. And so I'll sometimes still do those things now, but I get to do so much more, which I didn't know I would get to do um, so quickly because it's only been a year and a half there. And now I'm meeting with all the top talent and figuring out creative what they want to do with other producers. We're working through what's going to happen. And then I get to go be the one talking to people like Brittany or with Ben also, who produces most of these shows with me. We tag team going to every department and figuring out what's happening and then how to execute it. So uh, with, that's what's cool. Just like Brittany's story is that maker because this industry is so new and so small is as long as you're busting your ass and you truly care a lot about what you're doing and you have experience, a lot of which I got, while just doing side work for free without getting paid while I was working in an industry I didn't care about, you prove yourself. So I don't know. Yeah. So out of the span of things that you're responsible for, like all the hats that you wear, what is one thing that you love the most? Um, honestly, I love managing. I love it. I love it. I love it because I'm a very, I, I, I've through my creative passions, I've learned how to do everything. I've learned composing music. I've learned post-production and editing. I've learned color correction. I've learned, um, script writing and being scripty. And, um, I've, I've learned managerial, like logistical workflows, how to lay them out. And each department, I know animation. Um, I don't know each department. I, I understand what they do to some capacity and I've, and I've loved what they do and done it myself. So I'm no expert in any of the fields, but I like getting to play in each one. Like that's my favorite. I love that. Yeah. I <laughs> what about you? Brittany? Uh, I have, I love the actual doing of prosthetics. But um, no, I love like the maker. The fact that maker is so you wear so many hats, you get to do so many things. Is that you get to do so many things, you get to learn so many things. So there's, you get to be self-taught in a lot of areas that also um, just makes you quicker, you know, and more skilled. And you and I have learned a lot about each other's jobs too, and I think that applies to a lot, a lot of the people that are proactive there. At least, yeah, is like you'll come to me, Brittany will come to me, and she'll bitch me out the day before a shoot and be like, "Why is the schedule like this?" And maybe I'll change it, or either I'll change it, or she'll understand my thinking through it, and then she'll understand that train of thought as a producer because you've you've definitely developed a producery mind more than you did when we first met through. Yeah coming and just breathing down our necks and learning it because you cared to know why things were happening a certain way. Well, also, it's like I definitely noticed to the uh, when I'm quick to notice when somebody is not good at producing. And it's very it's very frustrating because it's you're wasting time. You're not it's a, definitely it's just not efficient. And it's um, frustrating because you're just like, God damn, I'm so used to these. This way, I like the way you guys produce. Honestly, Thanks. you have a really good team, and there are definitely other very talented producers at Maker. It's a non-traditional so. studio system, right? So you get yeah. to you get to go breathe down the necks and learn from everyone else and challenge them and talk to them. 
you can't do that at like Warner Brothers. You can't go to like another building on the other end of the lot and yell to producer why they laid out a schedule a certain way or oh, watch me. why a VFX shot was done a certain way. Okay, fine. <laughs> I can't be the head of a makeup department at any of those places either. Yeah, well. That's a really good thing like um, <laughs> that I think comes with experience in general, you know, and just knowing what to tolerate and what to put your foot down for. Yeah. So is there anything now that you just would not tolerate that maybe you would have let slide when you first started working? Um, I guess like uh, I don't pre-production time. I definitely need to have that and there is no rushing it. And like there are things that they want you just to pull out of your ass on set. And um, when it comes to compromising my name, I will just no longer do it. It's like if it's going to look worse, I'm sorry, I'm not going to participate. I mean, we can try to make it look the best we can. We'll have alternatives for you. But um, if you want me to do something half-assed, I'm kind of not willing to sacrifice that anymore. And then um, also uh, probably just, I mean, definitely being treated a certain way. I think there's got to be some standards there with not working too much overtime and you have to kind of be like at a level of these are the needs we have and this is the turnaround I have to have if you want me to function because after so many hours I'm just my mind's not there I'm physically not there we're all like that's when accidents happen is because you're you know yeah pushed and to limit. you guys have paid your dues too in yeah. a way because when maker first started it was a lot of that just bust your yeah. ass until it gets done we don't care how it gets done yeah how many hours you work or how much you suffer it's all about the greater good of this video and yeah. everybody's like super behind it but you know after years of doing that and when you work finally for a company that can afford those luxuries to you yeah you don't have to no and then when you find that balance of you actually let go mm -hmm. which is the hardest part and then you just you start to enjoy it and then it becomes like a whole different type of fulfillment mm -hmm. yeah which is where i'm at right now yeah. is there something that you just like put your foot down about two things um i got to think about what Brittany was answering uh one is that i hate compromising quality as well and so i won't be afraid to throw my voice into the ring to push a shoot date if things aren't ready and a lot of talent like to up their demands but also expect this production schedule to be on track and learning how to say no for the sake of not just the producers but for folks like Brittany who have a lot of things to get ready for and if they're tacking on more it's none of us want degree quality so that's definitely one the other one is definitely just being treated with respect in the sense that um I've been there a year and a half and there are people that have been there two years or three years or four years. And I don't appreciate being spoken to. Like, I don't know what I'm doing just cause I haven't been at maker and been through the emotional turmoil of YouTubing for as many years as you have. And if I'm doing a good job and I'm doing it right. And I figured out a solution that's better than yours. Don't make it personal. <laughs> See, but I also feel like the people who are doing this have like, oh, I've been there for so many years. It's a completely different company there. You can't even have that kind of yeah, the seniority over ranking doesn't really work now. I've, yeah, I've, like, I've gotten a lot of it though when i when i first started at least my first six months i had a lot of people being like you don't get how this works you haven't been here and i'm like but i know the technical art of producing and that it, doesn't matter it depends matter. on what you're referring to when they it depends on what they're referring to when they're saying that you don't know understand how this place works because there there are some key factors of maker that have been there from the beginning you mean like social never, and political stuff uh-huh and it I will just, that's kind of like what it's founded on. And I don't know if that will ever change. Sure. That's not what I meant though. I meant more yeah. of the technical aspects of the job of just like, just because you feel the torment of what you've gone through doesn't mean. I think it's because people also get really lazy at maker and they have this mentality of it's, mm -hmm. Oh, it's just maker. And, um, I remember somebody had once told me that when it was constructing a, it was a little while ago, but it was like, I was like, I remember saying, well, how are they ever supposed to get better and get more views if we're not willing to put in more effort and make it look better? Because yeah. we have this mentality of it's, oh, it's just maker, but that's, we can't have that if we want to be something more than just maker. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's really good to have people like you there because you challenge the people that have been going through the motions for so long to do a better job and to have higher expectations. Yeah. I, I mean, it's our team is awesome. Like, yeah. especially for the Bart Baker show. Like, this this last few years, we've all I think we found it's been refined. This team and yeah. we we all care so much about what we're doing. And I'm sure it shows for all y'all folks watching it come out. That no, it just most keeps... definitely. I love watching the Bart Baker BTS 
videos <laughs> because it, it really is so is candid and it really shows like the relationships that you guys have developed, how well you work together and just kind of like the effort that goes into every video. How crazy Bart is the whole time while mm-hmm. we're trying to make it work. I can't believe he's a real human sometimes. I can't wait till we have him on the show. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's definitely on coming on. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, given everything that you've learned, um, do you think that your skills are transferable to anything that you eventually want to do in the future? Dear God, I hope so. Oh, for sure. Are you serious? <laughs> I've like developed more skills than a makeup artist needs in life, which I think it makes me happy. Cause I, I think I'm, Eventually, I want to go into like production design. So you can head a department, which is yeah. I think that's kind of like well, if you're production design, you're kind of working with all of the departments to build this one vision. And I think that the skills I've developed working at Maker would help me go closer to that goal. And that's kind of where I want to go when I've learned the other appropriate skills I need to do that. Yeah. Similar answer. Mm. Learned a lot that about producing and managing teams and departments and. That could carry over anywhere. I love Maker. I love what I'm doing. Don't see myself going anywhere. But I also remind myself if everything goes to shit that like all the new tech, new media startup companies don't know how to do production protocol. And we have a very weird way of doing it at very little cost. That's useful. So it's always good to remind myself that. What do you, what do you think the next step is then? If you if you stick around at Maker for five the, or the next step at Maker? Like a few more years. Yeah syndication kicking in more that the world of television and the world of like internet streaming sites like netflix and hulu that we're going to marry more to them whether we like it or not because we started as a youtube only company but i think um I, I could definitely see i don't know i could definitely see like bigger budgets coming into play with us doing deals with bigger brands and it's already starting to happen so you know and also that's the spin-off, spin-offs of the things that are actually going to be happening inside of maker that are also connected yeah. So, that could so keep when someone you say uh, syndication, you mean producing for um, these programs that would be syndicated or actually working in syndication? Uh, having our pro- our program go into syndication. So like for the, the, I mean, my brain always goes to two places. It goes to the Simpsons kids, Bart and Lisa, right? Bart Baker show and Lisa Bugs show. <laughs> um, that, That's pretty awesome. Yeah. We work for the Simpsons kids. Um, just that for the two shows that I help produce, um, getting them big enough that brands want to attach themselves to them and get out higher budget, higher concept stuff. And then hopefully attaching those brands to like direct TV and video on demand and maybe Netflix putting out like a season of like a year's worth of content of our best of videos, you know, seeing more of that new, new platforms take control and give us better budgets. So yeah, that's 100% doable because that's actually what I'm working on now. Do you guys go on? Yeah. You remember what I was, what do you think I do at maker? Brittany. I know that you don't produce anymore. <laughs> when when did you realize that though? Uh, I think after I had like it was a while ago, but it was a while after you had stopped. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You because still- honestly, if you're at Eastham, I don't know what you do. Very rarely. For those listening, Eastham is one of the two campuses. two larger Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. campuses yeah. for Maker. There, there's the business end and then there's the production end and two these sides two of work out of the out of the production end and then a lot of the the white collar folks work out of Eastham. um aaron what do you think i do i think that you like to steal stages from me from when you guys want to shoot things for new fronts <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> you took a sick pleasure in requesting that stage from me and getting the win no i had to push a shoot for that i i really appreciate it and i owe you a favor so remember that if you need something i think from you're me, doing that right now, now. I think hosting this episode for us is oh, great. Perfectly fine. I love that because yep. I hate being in debt. No, no, no more debt. No more debt. Um, I, I don't know what you do. Ah, uh, that's for another episode. Tell us real fast. Well, no. you, should, you, should, you have to yeah, give us say quick, what you do. Give, okay, us, give okay. us your log line. My, my official title right now is director of OTT and MVPD. OTT is over the top technology. It's uh, basically your Roku, your Apple TV. Um, a lot of companies now are creating apps where you can stream their content directly to through the internet. So what I do is I head up programming strategy for um, companies like Netflix or Hulu or DirecTV who want to create an app and then fill their channels with content. So if Maker strikes up a partnership with these people and they're supposed to provide a certain type of programming, I'm the person that helps uh, project manage everything from development of those programs to execution and delivery to our partner. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm working on right now is a project with Dish 
uh, network where I'm helping to program a Polaris Plus channel for the Sling TV app that just got launched. And uh, that rides on the wave of uh, cable cutting and people unbundling their cable packages and just wanting to stream their TV directly to their computers or their TVs. Mm. Yeah. So I'm helping Maker create 22-minute, 44-minute uh, formats out of existing IP or uh, new ideas that they want to have funded that might work for the partnership. So you're like, that's cool. You are literally, your job is literally what I was just talking about. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's why I thought it was really interesting that you brought so that, that up. That's what, that's, what's cool, right? Is why, why we have both ends of the company. Yeah. Is, and it's absolutely not what I thought I was going to be doing at maker yeah. whatsoever, but we'll save that for another conversation because so. we are running out of time. You guys, I have one more question but, for you. Before but we're we talking about ourselves. We have to have know, Grace back now so we can flip the table. Yeah, so I, I know. Can, everything Don't be flip right the with table. The All the gears right here. <laughs> everything can be right with the world. So I have one last question for you guys. Oh. Um, an alternate universe version of yourself exists somewhere, somewhere in another dimension. What do you think that alternate universe self is doing at this exact moment? Astrophysicist, no question. Mm -hmm. Got it. What about you? Uh, crime fighting ninja. Crime fighting ninja. I can so see that. Yeah. If, for those of you out there that don't know, uh, Brittany is extremely fit and she could probably kick uh, most people's asses. Well, thanks. <laughs> All right, but I, I at least would hope that an alternate universe Brittany would be, you know, okay. in a full time costume. You, Maybe kind of in that post apocalyptic futuristic world like Firefly, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, I so love I'd, Firefly. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I would be on that ship. But a, a brand new character because I don't really fit into any of those. I'm uh, I'm reaching over. I'm grabbing the wheel from you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take control of the ship real fast for the no. last minute. Yep, okay. I've taken no. control of the ship, and I'm now going to Level neutral. Um, <laughs> no, but I got I got approved to do it. Um, what? Grace. I, I'm lawful neutral, so I, it was oh, lawful. I it's okay. I, I didn't okay, do that I antagonistically. I well, I did it with hostility. Okay, uh, with a hostile disposition. Um, Grace. Yes. On a scale of the the yeah, this is why I'm the character yeah. If if on on the character scale, what what is it called on this character, character alignment? Scale, on the character alignment test, how would you uh, label your interview with us today? Um, chaotic good. Ooh, what does that mean? Chaotic good. We can actually look that up right now. Um, chaotic good. All right, chaotic good. The alignment system is that what we want? But Grace has mm -hmm. to read it. Chaotic good. Her voice is nice. Yeah, I, I know. No shit. Just saying. A chaotic good character acts as his convenience directs him, with little regard for what others expect of him. He makes his own way, but he's kind and benevolent. He believes in goodness and right, but has little use for laws and regulations. He hates it when people try to intimidate others and tell them what to do. He follows his own moral compass, which, although good, may not agree with that of society. Chaotic good is the best alignment you can be because it combines a good heart with a free spirit. Chaotic good can be a dangerous alignment when it disrupts the order of society and punishes those who do well for themselves. I have uh, one last question for you guys. Thanks for describing our show, by the way. That was good. We yeah. should just remove the description and put we that. We should in. just start calling ourselves the Chaotic Good. Yeah, chaotic, the Chaotic Good podcast. Mm -hmm. I like that. It's way I like better the, than tragic the Tragic Show. The Tragic Show is great. Chaotic, the Chaotic Good is we really have the best great, title. <laughs> no, it's good. That's like next level description right there. Grace, sounds like that you have a name for your podcast. Oh, yeah. To be continued. Ooh. You guys will be the first guests on that. You should we would have be a podcast. glad to come do that. Yeah. I actually have a, a rating question for you guys. Okay. So um, how would you rate this interview in numbers of servings at an all-you-can-eat buffet? Is it a cheat day? That's up to you to decide. I'm not the boss of you. I'm going to say three. Three servings. Damn. I'm going to say... The plates are big. I'm going to say three and three quarters. <laughs> I definitely want to be ambitious and go for a fourth serving, but I probably won't finish it, so I'll have to pay that little extra. Three for me would be like, I'm borderline throwing up. <laughs> well, it's a cheat day for me, so I'm I'm at that almost four plates. It's a cheat day for me, too, but I can't fit four and a half plates in here. Well, you're small. I wish I could. Tiny. Little, not that tiny. I'm just... Tiny little... Just relative to... Weaselly I mean, five, person. I'm only five, six. Small... I'm average. I'm normal. You're a tiny person, Brittany. I'm normal good. 
You're not. <laughs> neutral good. She's neutral good. You're well, not. I have absolutely no idea what those numbers mean, but it makes me feel very, very nice. This was great. Yeah. yeah was Thank fun. you guys so much for inviting me to host. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting getting to know you Thank guys. Thank you for inviting us to be interviewed on our show. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are some of the most interesting people I've met at Maker, so it was wow. nice talking. And when you have your podcast, please, we're going to interview you. Episode one, Brittany White and Aaron Corney. Yeah. Interview on me. Chaotic Good. Actually, it would have been a good <laughs> Next be good. time on Chaotic Good. All right, so signing right. off. Love you all out there. We love you guys. You guys are listeners and stuff. Bye. No until next time. Everyone's done. Okay. I'll this episode of The Tragic Show was lovingly baked for you by Aaron Corney and Brittany White. If you enjoyed this episode of The Tragic Show or any of our episodes, please share some tasty reviews on iTunes and subscribe while you're at it. Should you want us more involved in your lives, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at The Tragic Show. A special thanks to our technical advisor, Roth Serrano. We love you, Roth. Also, thanks to Omer Benz V for writing and recording The Tragic Show's theme song. And giving us permission to use it and stuff. The Tragic Show, and all of its farm-grown, organic, sustainable, locally sourced original content is property and copyright of Aaron Corning and Brittany White under Creative Commons, Attribution Non-Commercial, Sharelike License. All of the works mentioned or performed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners. The views expressed in this episode of The Tragic Show do not necessarily reflect those of Aaron Corning and Brittany White or those of our guests. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. You can't see them, and you're hearing. They'll hear us. Whatever, okay, fine. All right. You'll hear us. Cool. Bye. Bye.